When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, only in New York. Welcome to Only in New York. I'm Tracy Carnazzo. And I'm Andrea Allen. And I'm Chemda. And today it's just us again. And I'm going to tell my New York journey. Oh my God. I'm so excited because I think that um, it's very interesting that uh, you're not from New York. Like you weren't born here, but you are just, you're so New York to me. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Am I? Because I, you know, my parents were trying to decide between L.A. and New York because that's what Persians do. Um, <laughs> that is what Persians do. Yep. <laughs> they love a flashy L.A. Persian. Can't get enough of those types of people. Yeah. And I'm lucky that they picked New York. They're not flashy. They're flashy in a more conservative way. They didn't mm-hmm. get the nose jobs. They didn't straighten their hair. Right. But they had the, you know, big affairs and um, lots of booze and partying and the whole yeah. thing. Okay, now let me ask you a real question, and this is, uh, I don't know, it might be controversial. The curtains in your home, are they, they, yes, were they um, gathered? Mm, Like ruched. Ruched, were they ruched, the curtains? My family kind of was so, they were so bad at design that my family, they had everything. We had swords up on the wall. Okay. Yep. This is, that's what I was asking. We had rugs on the wall. Like they were Mm -hmm. paintings. We had a guy drinking tea or some tea thing as a painting on the wall. Yes. It was just, we had a chandelier in the living room that we kind of only used when like, you know, people were there because we had... 30 to 50 people at holidays sit down dinner. But the chandelier was, and I think it came with the place. It was like, I would hit my head if I. (laughs) Was it like we're lowering the chandelier because there's company? Like, was there like a rig for the chandelier? I think, you know, I think my parents were like, Eh, we need to get everything fancy. So it's like one chandelier, like one fancy, like a chandelier, please. And like, what else is fancy? Oh, we had, oh. The front lawn little did you area. have the did you have statues of gargoyles or lions? No, they didn't go that far, but okay. because because they kind of like took from things they were like uh-huh. oh this is the this is what they call fancy, okay, we put chandelier, okay, what else they had these um Chinese like you know like um you know the circular little um uh bushes in shapes that oh. are like oh yeah, of course that's yes. also very Italian. Mm. Like every everywhere in Howard Beach, they had. I used to say that to my mother because we didn't live in Howard Beach, and when we would go there, I'd be like, "Can't we get some swirly bushes?" <laughs> yeah, swirly bushes are the shit. Yeah, <laughs> they were very pretty. But I think my dad always, you know, like at that point, he was doing really well. Once we were in New York and up and running, after a little while, he hit it, and then was like, "Fancy dude, like this costs a lot. That's good." You know what sure. I mean? He didn't really. I don't know. But I got here when I was four. Um, My parents had three kids, one older than me. So six years old and younger. The youngest one is one. And where do you guys come from? We came from Israel and they 
I don't think that they had ever been here before. They just moved. They didn't know one word in English. I remember learning our first word all together because we were in, you know, that complex in Briarwood that I used to live in. Yes. We were in this, there's like a center where there's just grass. It's a co-op and then yep. there's houses around. I got so sexually we w- harassed by a lot of comics on that piece of grass. That's lovely. Uh-huh. Memories, really. Mm-hmm. I can't believe I let go of that spot. TBT. But- <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we were standing there, uh, me and maybe one or two of my brothers, and these guys around were like, move. And we just stood there move and they didn't know we had no words in english so move was our first word because they were trying to play baseball and we were in their way ah this Uh, is so american (laughs) and move you did they were trying to play baseball and eat some apple pie and you were in their (laughs) way yes (laughs) well so quick question about your parents because they're kind of mystical figures to me um your father is they're both one's from iraq one's from iran right my father was born and raised in Iran, but my mother was born and raised in Israel. Her oh. parents were born and raised in Iraq and moved to Israel. So she had an Israeli immigrant, you know, like experience where it's like, oh, my Iraqi parents are talking like, could you not with your accent, sure. like that kind of thing. And uh, so my mom was embarrassed by that. I wasn't embarrassed by their accents or anything. It was funny. So- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you do a great impression. Were they like, were they like, um, the idea to move to America, like, was it just like, we need a better quality of life? Like, it seems very, it seems like a huge decision to make. It's crazy. I just chalked it up to like, that's what immigrants do. And I, you know, I'm just so like growing up in America, I'm like, no, like not knowing one word and moving to a country. I don't have the balls for that. My father moved from Iran as like an 18 year old to Israel. And then Mm -hmm. And then to America. So he had to learn Hebrew first, then English. What? Yeah. Um, he, he's an entrepreneur. He um, likes to move ahead and always pushes the ceiling higher. So when he got to the ceiling in Israel, he wanted to, you know, live the American dream because that's bigger. So he just, it's just to keep pursuing bigger yeah. things. Yeah. You want the what, what industry does statue. he work in? He, he uh, clothing manufacturer. He used okay. to have a, a factory here in Long Island City which is Queens right outside the Queensboro bridge where I live right now. And I know I it's so weird. I did not know that until I moved here and I, I was walking around after a little while and I'm like, Whoa, that looks like where my dad worked. And then I'm like, Oh my God, this is where my dad worked. Well, we've had this conversation. Hamda, your dad in the, in the business is what we call a garmento. Uh, so those who do not work in the fashion or manufacturing, I'm more worked, I worked in fashion, but really like I worked in manufacturing more than like what you see. I wasn't working with models or anything like that. I was working with factories. Um, That's my dad. He was the factory. Yeah. yeah. And there's, there's factories in Midtown Manhattan. There's uh, Italians, Jewish, there's a lot of Korean, Chinese, there's a big range. Um, but the more old school garment manufacturers who are like the shitheads who like you have to bribe, who smoke in the factory, who drink, oh, did that. who yeah. are like motherfuckers and always trying to fuck you over. You call them garmentos and they're like a very specific type of business person. Andrea, I, I told you five cents for this and now you're telling me six. I go five and a half, but get the fuck out of my face. Exactly. Oh, I really like that. <laughs> you would love garmentos, Tracy. You, you'd be like a pig in, a sh- pig in shit with garmentos. You have to like 
You can't let them push you around because if you do, then you're a little bitch and they know it and they're going right. to fucking take you for everything that you've got. But it's Andrea, like- Andrea, you're a woman, but I can talk to you, but please get the fuck out of my factory, okay? We did the thing. You look very nice today. Tomorrow, maybe put your hair up, but ugh. Okay, you're finished. Five cents. Okay, we agree. Thank you. Yes, exactly. This and when insane. I realized that you were raised by a Garmento, it made so much sense about how you're <laughs> such a motherfucker because- they, it's such a difficult business to make money in, so that's why they are the way that they are. But like, it's a it's a certain spirit, I'll say. Oh, that spirit was at home. Chemda, uh, you ate already, so maybe don't put that in your mouth. <laughs> well, that's you, not abusive. Chemda, you finish? Yes, I'm like, no, you finish. Okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah, but, but, I but like I'm this wrong. Guy. I'm wrong. He I know, wouldn't Trace, say this is your future husband. He would never say thank you. So I added that and I shouldn't. So sure. Sure. <laughs> so, so your parents are both immigrants in New York city. Uh, no language, no money. How are they, where are they going? Do they have a plan? When we first got here, I believe we lived in my father's friend's home because we were the first to immigrate here. And then after that, anyone who came like stayed at our place or like we all help each other. Yeah. We were the first. So I think we stayed at his friend's place for like a week Okay, with three kids. I don't know how these yeah. people do it. How did this happen though? So now obviously right now uh, in the climate of America, like that can't even happen anymore. Like you no. can't just decide to move. No. When that happened, was that just a thing where you could move and then you could just kind of like establish a business here or like obviously the laws were different. Yeah, the laws were different. It was more open to immigrants, more opportunity available. And even though he didn't know anybody here, like you said, Andrea, the Garmentos, they're Israeli. So if you go down Jamaica Avenue, Queens, and you see places like Gene Center, VIM, yes. um, they're all Israeli owned. So yes. he, you connect with them. So he started selling to VIM, Gene Center, and everybody on that strip. I think maybe Rainbow or, or Rainbow and him had a fight. I don't Ooh. know. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's lots of fights between manufacturers and stores. There was a place down Liberty Avenue called the Coliseum. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that is where all the Italians would get their sweatsuits. Yes. So that just reminded me that was probably like one of those places. It was like the mall of Jamaica Avenue. Yes. Yeah. And like when these guys go up to people, because I remember I would go talk to Garmentos and like, it's not, you don't like email them. You like show up in their factory and you're like, hey, you want a $5 a piece, this, this fabric, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, all right, let me make you a sample. And you know what I mean? Like everyone's kind of sussing each other out. And then if you hit that sweet spot where you're bringing them enough work and they're doing a good job, then you're best friends. But it Oh, takes Andrea, it's so good to see you. I love you. Don't I always say I love Andrea? Yes. I always say that I love you. Oh, do you want any water? We refilled it from the sink, but it's good. It's cold. Yes. They, and they always <laughs> give you food. They bribe you. They yeah, like, it's, it's, it's a good, I mean, I, I loved it. Um, when did he establish? So he established his business fairly quickly. And then when did you guys buy your house? Well, we, we lived in that Briarwood place and then it, it became a co-op and my dad bought it. And at the time you really could afford buying a space. It was a two bedroom with three kids, one bathroom. So we were starting to outgrow it. I, I was in the same uh, uh, room as both my brothers. And when mm. we were 10, we moved to the new place and that was in Jamaica Estates. 
Jamaica Estates is fancy as hell. Very, yeah. And it's very suburban. It's like Long Island in Queens. Uh, Jamaica Estates is such a beautiful neighborhood. A lot of people don't understand Jamaica Estates and they really don't even know about Jamaica Estates. Not at all. They hear Jamaica, they think it's a bad neighborhood and Jamaica Estates is such a different uh, area. So I believe if I am correct, uh, Jamaica Estates is uh, divided from Jamaica by Hillside Avenue. Uh, maybe down in the one eighties. Does that sound real? Definitely. Yeah, definitely by Jamaica Avenue. It's over, but if, but you can go all the way to Jamaica Avenue and still be in Jamaica States. It's the, um, it's the F train. So if you look at the F train, you go to the last stop. If you turn right, there's shit on the floor and there's bodegas and there's like regular New York life. You turn to the, to the other side Mm -hmm. and it's, Trump's mother's house, yep. it's giant, it's um, lawns, and it's, it's a lot of space. Although Jamaica actually does have those beautiful homes, mm-hmm. um, but it's, it's a different vibe. It's definitely I, a different vibe, but you, Jamaica is going to be gentrified eventually. Right now, um, it is, I, I believe that it's a neighborhood on the come up right now. Um, I agree, and yeah. The other thing is, like, you know, you look at the real estate prices and you're like, okay, well, Jamaica is not a great neighborhood. So let me see what the real estate prices are. So you could buy low. And to be honest with you, uh, there's really nothing that's under $800,000 that you couldn't move right into. When I, when I first started interning for Hamda, so me and Hamda met through Keith and the girl and I was her little baby intern. (laughs) I was going to college in New York city and I never went out to Queens at all. So I would go intern at your place in Briarwood, but I was starting to become familiar with what Jamaica was. <laughs> and I thought when people said Jamaica, I thought they were talking about the country Jamaica, but I would be too embarrassed to like ask follow-up questions. So people would be like, it's near Jamaica. And I'd be like, I don't think they know. <laughs> so I had no idea. And like, I've heard stories about Jamaica, like uh, there has been a goat loose in Jamaica and it's like running around. Like Jamaica is a real. very immigrant heavy place. Yeah. Hey, honestly, I mean, it might most be of Queens is. There, yeah, yeah, very much. Very yeah. much. Most of Queens is. There, there was a dairy farm somewhere near Jamaica and I think the cow got loose as well. Yeah, there's always animals getting loose in Jamaica and you're yeah. like, in New York? <laughs> and oh, you said, is it a cooking goat? Is it a sacrifice goat? Is it a member of the family? We don't know. Sure. Is it a cheese goat, which is my favorite kind of goat? Yeah. So, so was that when you moved to Jamaica Estates, then your family must have been doing really well. That must have been like a point of pride. Yeah, it was a very big deal. I got my own room. It was fantastic. Um, but it was, you know, I hate to say this because he did really, really well. But um, we spent it all. You know, there was he, my Bat mitzvah and, you know, putting up a front eventually, you know, like you did it and now you have to back it up constantly. Yeah, that's a cultural thing for for a Persian uh, culture, right? That you always have to make sure that you're, uh, you know, showing how much wealth you have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you start doubling down on, you know, possible mistakes that you're making. uh, Yeah just to go down that route. And I don't want to take away from my dad. He did an incredible job. I've never done anything like he's done. But, you know, by the time we and we left that home, I'm like, we were always freezing because there's something wrong with the heat. And to fix a house that big, they just 
kept like, nah, we'll just, you know, just wear more clothes and stuff. So it just, you know, I'm like, what are we doing? What's happening? Well, also, like, I, it seems like there probably were a lot of parties as well, like, like to show people how well you were doing. Was there a chandelier in the Jamaica house? <laughs> uh, it, it was the chandelier was in the Jamaica house. Oh. In the Briarwood house, we would get splinters if we walked around barefoot. It was, and I don't know why you can't sand the, not once in the years that we were there, we sanded the floors. We just got splinters and we just were like, mom, I have a splinter in my foot. She'd have to dig it out. That's just how She's it like, was. I told you to wear your work boots in the living room. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Hamda, this is all yeah. your fault. So you're in the Jamaica States house. What made you guys leave the Jamaica States house and where'd you go? Well, I, that was it. I, I moved out on my own. And then eventually years later, they went back to Israel, which I thought was a good move. Um, I, <laughs> you were like, I was over them. So I actually uh, did the paperwork for that. So. <laughs> I bought them a plane ticket back to Israel. And, I bought uh, them the plane. I bought them a plane and they are on that plane and wherever they are, they are. I, I told them I was in a same sex relationship and they moved back to Israel. So it really solidified the, the move. Yep. They couldn't handle their gay ass daughter being in New York City. It was too much. Well, they shouldn't have moved to New York. Yeah, yeah if you don't want to make your kid gay, don't move to the gay capital of the world. Sorry. Just yep. saying, guys. So this is an anti-tourism podcast. <laughs> yeah, they totally made me gay. I know. Well, you it's a choice, it. right? It's yeah, a choice. Of if you come here, you will catch it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I lived in New York for like f about five years, my grandfather, um, who was kind of a Garmento-style guy, he was a real estate guy, but he was a similar motherfucker. He... He asked me, he goes, do you, have you met any nice uh, boys in New York? And then he like paused for a really long time. And then he went, or girls. Aww. And I was like, Bill. He's like, Look I can smell you. you. <laughs> he was like, you've been wearing, your hair is black and you've been wearing a lot of sleeveless shirts. <laughs> What's the temperature? That's so Amazing. nice, kind of. <laughs> it, it was for, for a World War vet, he was pretty open-minded. Um, so it was a big deal when you moved out, I assume, right? Because your parents were conservative, religious. Very conservative. When they even caught wind that I was even considering it, my mom took me to therapy. And <laughs> Considering moving out? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what did the therapist say? Were they like, how old were you, first of all? I was 20 when I was like, hey, this is okay, TikTok, it's happening. Um, and then I was, I was 21 when I actually moved. And I remember the last thing in therapy, I'm like, no, I am moving. I just put down a deposit. And honestly, I don't even know if I put down the deposit or not. Mm -hmm. I was like, let's, let's wrap this up. And she's, yeah, it's happening. Yeah. And she cried and she's like, uh, well, we don't have to come here anymore. <laughs> oh, like, so this was like a family therapy. Me and her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Did they try an exorcism? Um, <laughs> they should have because I was not going to change my mind. I was 21 when I moved. My family was so mad. My parents didn't understand how I was going to get married that way. You know, like living in your own house. Well, <laughs> if you guys want to know how I'm going to get married, watch this. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be yeah. real shocked when I show you. <laughs> Hey, mom and dad, I got married. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Another one. <laughs> but don't worry, there's more. <laughs> 
Yeah, Hamda, to be honest, I think you owe your parents a card. You really pushed them <laughs> out of their comfort zone. I always um, did, yeah. Yeah, because I, well, not always. Um, but uh, yeah, I did move out. And um, so I'm sorry, did they want you to just live with them until you, like, the ideal was you live with them until you get married, then you're passed off to like another caretaker? Yeah, it, no, actually, the phrasing is you go from your parents' house to your husband's house. Yeah. How else? What else would you, what do you, I mean, there's no, don't what? be ignorant. What are you yeah. going to like live by yourself? Like a late, like a lady by herself? How would you, I, even, who would you mom. cook for? <laughs> You're made of porcelain. You can't carry things around. Oh my God. So this was like a tragedy to them. You're also their only daughter too. So I'm sure there was like some like, Oh, I want to sell you off for a goat or whatever you guys yeah. were into. Yeah. They put a lot of money into this goat. You know, yeah. they're like, I don't get it. We put this into it and this other thing came out. And I'm like, surprise. I don't know what to tell you. I'm 21. This is disgusting. I don't want to tell my American friends that I'm 21 and just moving out. You yeah. know, like for me, that's very old. Get out of here. They didn't let me go to college away because my mother's like, you're not going to sleepover college. That is, that is where hookers go. Sleepover hookers. <laughs> everything, yes. everything is where hookers go. Hookers, I mean, actually... In her defense, hookers do go to very good universities. As that's, that's a known thing. Like when people call me a hooker, I'm like, no, 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 no. I didn't get into a good college. <laughs> As the most hookery of the group, I would say, I'm going to go ahead and say that I'm the most hookery of the three of us. And I did go to, I went to sleepover college in New York City. <laughs> so I don't know. Again, Hamda, your mother's not... Hooker University. It's very hard to get into. <laughs> I went to Parsons School of Design and Hookering. Okay, but honestly, an art school, Andrea, that is kind of a hooker school. Of course it's hooker college. Yes. Where did you want to go to college, Hemda? I don't know that I did. You know, it was just <laughs> it was just time. They were just like it's not on the plate anyway. And you were like, yeah. I wasn't gonna eat it. So yeah. I, I was really I just wanted to get out. I wanted yeah. to they were, you know, everything I did shamed the family. You know, I yeah. wanted go out dancing. That's what hookers do. Can I meet someone oh. at, at the, at the billiard? That's, that's what more. Hook do. Okay. These things are more hookery than going away <laughs> to college. I will say that. Maybe if you've been less hookery, we could have avoided this whole fucking thing. I have to side with your parents on this. Meeting I a was... guy at a pool hall is kind of a hooker job. In Forest Hills. They <laughs> Ugh, on Austin Street? Yes. Oh my God. That billiards. That's where I had my first uh, Sicilian kiss. Oh. Was that like date rape or something? That's like, no, surprisingly, um, I think it's like amaretto and what, it, I don't even know what it is anymore. Like it's some bullshit two, liqueur drink. It's two different, it's two different cordials. Yeah. See, <laughs> that's what hookers do. I didn't have one. Well, so you also like, I feel like as a teenager, you were starting to already like sneak out of the house. Like you kind of had these two lives going on to like appease your conservative yeah, bigoted parents and then also you're a teenager living in new york city you're going out to nightclubs but you're also not drinking like it's so interesting that you are rebelling and that you're going to these places but you're still not drinking or doing drugs or being a hooker like you're not doing any of the fun shit i was i was really being me and that's all i was requesting to be i really yeah. wanted to go to clubs to dance i did um maybe make out and then some with some guys over there it was fun for me until it became like oh no this this 
this crack isn't working anymore. And that, mm-hmm. that got kind of sad. Like, yeah. I'm just like looking out for it now. It became very sex and love addiction. Um, but yeah, I wasn't drinking because I'm not interested in drinking. I'm interested mm-hmm. in this other thing. But I, I was interested in the bohemian aspect of mm-hmm. the club. So I went to Palladium first thing um, when I was like 16. That was my first big club. And, um, and, and nothing bad happened. And I was so disappointed. It was this big room with giant loudspeakers that you could, you know, step on and dance on and a giant bar and a stage and, you know, things, big platforms, all this stuff. I was the one with the backpack with the changed of clothes. And then I wore my hooker outfit. Absolutely. And well, Tracy, you were the hooker outfit too, right? You were at I, these clubs as well. I was at these clubs and I, I, when you're talking about like the way that the, like the reasons you want to go out and everything, it's like, we really are so parallel in that way. Cause it's like, no, I wasn't going there to drink. I wasn't going there to do drugs. I was going there for the culture of it. I was going there like for the fun of it to dance, like to meet guys, like all mm-hmm. of that was what I wanted. But like, I could not, sometimes I would have a drink because you know, people hand you a drink or whatever, but I would never go there to drink. Yeah. 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 Someone bought me a drink the first time and I was like, eh, I just dropped it somewhere and kept going. I, I wanted my own, I wanted the mayhem of, you know, once I got to limelight, I got what I wanted. I wanted the extra platform shoes that they worked on all week. Their mm-hmm. outfits were feathers and, um, you know, they were wearing. You wanted the dramatic part yeah, I of want, it. Yeah, I wanted boys in like, you know, short shorts and. Yes. um Club and kids. Yes, yeah. I wanted all. I was so happy. I walked into a room in limelight where everyone's watching and it's just a dude masturbating on a bed. Check. I love it. Um, it's hooker stuff. Definitely. Now, now it's not, not. (laughs) No, it's not. This is, this is worse than a pool hall. Uh I don't know. I don't know when my parents wanted me to do that when I was 30. It had to happen. They never wanted you to do that. But like, that's, that's what I'm noticing between, well, also like with you, both of you, you have families that try to keep you very close. So Mm -hmm. I can imagine this world of like complete freedom comparatively must have been like mind blowing. It must have been like a culture shock. Like, oh my God, look at these people completely doing whatever they want, not worrying what anyone thinks, not yes. like thinking for a second about, you know. Yes. I kept wondering where are their parents? How are they allowed to do this? They must be really fucked up, you know? And I wasn't wrong, but eventually when you, when you stick around the quote unquote freaks, you know, as I got mm-hmm. into surf reality and, and things like that, I'm like, this feels so comfortable. Oh my God, I am a freak because if somebody didn't know my background and where I came from, they would see me on stage making up songs and, you know, climbing on people's backs because that's what we're doing right now and being in weird ass plays and, you know, just being that. And I'm like, oh, right. I am already doing it. Mm -hmm. I'm not outside of this anymore. It fits. Yeah. Yeah. I think that um, your parents were just uncomfortable with uh, your culture and they wanted you to have their culture. But, you know, when you move to New York City and when, uh, I mean, the club culture is really just like its own animal. You know, it's not, you know, people in Long Island, I think, um, and even parts of Queens. And even, you know, if you just stay within your little unit, your little neighborhood, it's kind of like, all right, well, you know, your natural progression is to, uh, you get married and then you have kids and then you get a nice city job and you stay home and, you know, it's all of these things. And then you find this culture that, you know, there's so many different ones to find, you know, even Andrea, you in in fashion and and Mm -hmm. comedy and all these things you know it's just so different 
and they don't understand it. And especially your parents, because they're not even American. Right. And, and speaking of comedy, I used to go to the comedy cellar and, um, and Xerxes also, my boyfriend uh, remembers this as well. We were going around the time when we were like 17, 18, they weren't carting. And if you're there around midnight, which is around where we just kind of started wandering around, they would beg you to come in. Right now, there's lines around the block. They used to be empty. They didn't have, like, they had an 11, 11 p.m. showing, but it was, like, a couple people. Mm-hmm. So they didn't, they, they threw away the cover. They threw away the, the two-drink minimum. They just wanted asses in seats. So a lot of times, I would just be there, like, David Tell is there, and you know, Jim Norton's are there, and, you know, all the, Wanda Sykes was just a regular. And they were just considered these, you know, schmucks that had to do the 1 a.m. slot. And it was yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Is that where you got into comedy? I got into comedy through surf reality. I got into watching comedy through, yeah, there in the through Boston the- Comedy Club around the corner. But at surf reality, which is this place on the Lower East Side uh, that we talked about a lot on this show, there was a, a venue that had this metal door that if you didn't know what it led to, you just don't want to bother with it. But it went into someone's apartment that they converted their living room, it was separate than the rest of their apartment, into a show space. And that's where I was like, I, I saw all the, all the comics, all the artists. I heard Kimia Dawson used to hang out Ooh, there a I lot. Oh, I love her. Yeah, so like Jim Gaffigan would, um, Mark Marin, just everybody. Kimia it's- did the soundtrack for the movie Juno. Aww. Hmm. Well, it's it's... It, for young artists, uh, or developing artists, it's very important to have a space to experiment in um, and to feel low pressure. And I've had a few of those. And I'm sure, Tracy, you had those starting out. Mine was in Astoria, and it was at this place called the Waltz Astoria, yes. which was a house. It was just a house in Queens. Um And I used to take the train from my fashion job in lower Manhattan. It took like seven hours. Um, And it was a house run by a a married couple and the grandmother. And you, (laughs) she made sandwiches and I would buy like bottles of wine and get fucking wasted. And it was comedians, musicians, um, you know, freak shows, magicians. Total local art. Yeah, like no one was a star, no one was a big deal, and so you kind of just were like, I get to throw whatever at the wall here, and because I'm trying to figure out how to even do this, I was terrible. But like, I had, I felt such freedom in this space amongst these people who I considered friends uh, to try things, and so you got to just see things you wouldn't naturally see. Yeah, people drinking their own pee. Mm, um, delish. <laughs> did you have taking- a did you have a spot, Tracy? Because you started you know, before me. I didn't really have like a spot. I didn't love going to open mics, and I didn't really do that. I started comedy on my own, and I started because I was uh, very involved in theater. Yeah. And that's like kind of, so those were like kind of my hangs, you know, Mm -hmm. it was mostly like theater hangs. I was very involved in this theater group. Uh, It was like off, off Broadway. And, you know, even if I wasn't performing in the show, I was doing something for the theater company, whether it was, you know, selling the wine in the, or, you know, working with set design or anything Mm -hmm. like that. So I was kind of like into that. And then at the same time, I was working in the music industry. 
What were you doing in the music industry? I was working for record labels and I was working for bands directly. Um, and that's kind of like where our hangs were. And it was mm-hmm. kind of, but you know, now that I'm in comedy, it's funny how worlds collide and how like every industry, we used to say like everything's incestuous. Yes. Yeah. And, and even music, theater and comedy are kind of the same thing. I've crossed paths with so many people that I knew from theater, uh, so many people that I knew from music because mm-hmm. everything kind of translates. So it was always like that performance kind of uh, yeah. entertainment. And, yeah. and it's not, when, when I say entertainment, I'm not saying like, this is like red carpet stuff. Like this is oh, no. not, no. this is like grungy. If the carpet's red, it's because somebody bled. <laughs> right. And that's why, you know, it was kind of like the continental. It's in a the- blood carpet. I dice. <laughs> It I'm was sorry. like, the, no, it's fine. The Continental in the East Village, that was like a big hang. CBGB's yes. on Bowery, that was, you know, like a huge place for, for music gathering. And also, um, you know, the theater stuff, it was always like, you know, 7th Avenue and like in the 30s, like you yeah. know, those kind of small theaters. And then from there, I would work on music videos. Um, and it was just kind of like, you know, I would hire the people that did the set design for the theater to do the set design for the music mm-hmm. video. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, producing things and like, that's kind of, that was like kind of my hang, you yeah. know? So we were always hanging. I mean, the bars that we would hang out at were Niagara was a big one oh. in the, in the East, in the Lower East Side East Village. And, you know, that was in Alphabet City mm-hmm. that's on 7th and A. And like, that was a big late night thing. That's like a hair metal punk hang. Niagara. Yes. And this, yeah. that's what I was doing in music. And also, you know, my theater friends would come and join me there. And then the other one that we used to do, and you guys might know this too, is three of cups. Yes. And three of cups in the same kind of neighborhood that was on first and eighth, something and like blurry. that. Yeah, <laughs> for, exactly. And that was the after hours. So if there was a band that was in town, uh, you know, we would lead them to there and we'd be like, all right, you guys do what you have to do. Uh, you know, you have to go out with your label or whatever. And then we'll meet you there at like four or five in the morning. Yes. And it and- was just such a weird spot. And then when I got into comedy, it's like, oh, there's a show at Niagara. There's a show at three of cups. Yeah. And you're like, no, <laughs> All the comedians, musicians, artists, poets, painters, whatever, everyone's everyone's sleeping with everybody somehow. Yeah. <laughs> like everyone's sleeping with everybody. You meet you meet someone new and you're like, you probably slept with like someone two people removed from me. Um and everyone has like a beef or a story around like you you walk into an artistic crew and you meet someone and then immediately you'll find like another person in commas and they'll be like that person's a motherfucker and you'll be like all right yeah they are and then like you'll bond like it's like all these maps of like different yeah every systems. everyone knows everyone and i think that uh andrea and i have actually proved that uh i saw her this week i had to drop something off to her oh my god Hamda, you're gonna die Go ahead, Tracy. And uh, we're outside. Andrea has no shoes on. She's just catching Corona right on the sidewalk. <laughs> and we're chatting a little bit. And I'm like, I see the door uh, right next to the studio. And I'm like, oh, I that the door has a company name on it. And I'm like, oh, I know that company because when I worked uh, in property management, those were one of, of my clients. Okay. And Get she was ready. like, oh, they own my building. And I was like, oh, well, you know, I know the guy that owns that building because I used to get all his bills paid. Like, you know, we were like kind of uh, chummy. Tracy and she- calls my landlord by his first fucking name. 
And I was like, Tracy has my landlord's phone number. I don't. (laughs) I'm like, oh, is that not? But but it's like all kind of entwined. And I think that it's especially if you're involved. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the, the fun part about New York City is like, and, and Hamza, you've done the same thing. Andrew, you've, you've done the same thing too. It's like you have your hand in so many buckets sometimes. Yeah, you do. That you're just like, everyone is everything. I mean, Hamza, you, I used to hang out with you and Keith um, at Nice Guy Eddie's. Do you remember that bar? Yeah, I, I do. do. We, we, we met at Nice Guy Eddie's because no one was going there. So yes. we can always come in with a group get a place to sit. Their food was great, even though it was some shit stupid bar. All of their waiters were assholes. And you have to warn people. You have to be like, look, we're meeting at this place, not because it's great, not because it has anything special. It's because they leave us alone or they're assholes and you can ignore that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. A good late night hang is, it's not necessary. It's not the trendy place necessarily. It's like shady enough that you can bring in a whole group. You're probably doing drugs they don't really care. The drinks are cheap and like, it's not going to be pretty, but like, you're going to be able to basically like take it over and have it be your yeah, playhouse. Anyone who turns their head is like, that's the perfect yeah. place. Like, just don't look at what we're doing. You focus on you. We'll tip you. And that's how this going to, that's forget that's- about. <laughs> so, so now you are like totally into this club culture. You are immersed in the real fun stuff of New York city. You decide to move out. Where do you move? I had a car at the time and I needed it for work because I was doing kids parties. So I was going oh, to yeah. every borough and I had to carry the stuff. And so I By got the way, a place. Hamda was a clown, everybody. Right. Put that and in if your you, pipe and If you it. haven't listened to every single episode of this podcast, I don't know what's wrong with you. Maybe you have brain damage or something, but mm-hmm. go back and listen because you're going to understand everything that she talks about. She talks a lot more also about surf reality if you guys listen. So you'll yeah. know more about that. Well, you're not going to believe it. I moved into Hollis Hills into a family's basement. (laughs) Hollis Hills is like super duper nice. It's even more suburban because it's further out. You have to take a bus to um, a a train. Like it Mm -hmm. just, there's no trains there. And this was a house, uh, two two kids, their basement was fully done. So it was like this tiny little basement with a tiny little room. And um, they had a full kitchen and, you know, they were like a little too much in your business because you had to go through their laundry room in order to get in. But mm-hmm. it was all mine. And I was naked the first six months. Like, Oh, I, I totally understand. That. Also, guys, if you don't know where Hollis is, uh, you might remember Run DMC sings about Hollis, Queens. Really? Did oh, do tell- you not know? No. Christmas time in Hollis, Queens? No. Yeah, again, Mil- we're back at Mill Basin again. <laughs> Electric City. Okay. Right. You guys yeah. have been lying to me this so, whole time. Run DMC is Run DMC from Hollis, Queens. I think he is. But I else, but uh, you also hear LL Cool J, but it's just kind of like Jamaica and Jamaica State. Sure. There's yeah. Hollis and there's Hollis right. Hills. Right. There, so he's like adjacent. He's Hollis Hills adjacent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like he owns yeah. a goat, but not like a fancy goat. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like the chandelier doesn't get lowered for company. No, no. It's, it's perfectly mounted. You know. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was in such freedom. I bought myself a bed. I never I had a tiny bed my whole life. I bought a giant bed. I bought a giant TV at the time. Mm-hmm. How big I, was it? Um, smaller than any TV that is. And it's a tube, right? It's a tube. It's, yeah. Okay. You carry it. You know, it's, it's eight thousand pounds. You need yeah. two people. Yeah. Oh. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. 
but I loved it. And I was only there for a year and they were very mad that I was leaving because they had to turn it over and whatever. And I, I whatever, they came in in the middle of the night one time. Oh, I, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hello. Okay. because I, I said I was leaving and I can hear people right outside my bedroom, quote unquote, there was like mm-hmm. a little, you know, a little makeshift door that slid. Uh, and I'm like, oh my God, they're in my house. And I wish I did this. I wanted to take off my shirt and be completely topless and be like, oh, what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I- Poker I just, stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why your parents wouldn't let you go away to college. You seem like you really had it all together. Yeah. I wanted, I wanted them to be embarrassed, but I couldn't get the balls to do it at the time. Yeah. And I just kind of let it go. But they were assessing the place. I'm like, hi, I live here. In the middle of the night? Yeah, but I didn't have a lot of balls back then. I couldn't say anything, and they didn't give me my deposit back. The whole thing, I was just like, oh, I'll just quietly leave. Yeah, sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, well, but, it's your first place, and you were raised to be a good wife, so you, you weren't the mouthy woman that we know now. But the problem is, that was my first place. I was like, I'm moving to Manhattan. Drop my car, moving to Manhattan. I don't care how it work happens. And then I started moving a lot because you're just like, sure, I can afford Manhattan. You can't. You're starting to get really shit places and you're moving a lot. So my first place in Manhattan, the the uh, shower was in the kitchen because there was no kitchen. It was just the range and then the shower and then the toilet. And where so is Bonnie this? Bonnie McFarland shit. This is in... Um, uh, alphabet city and the, okay. yeah so I was like on a or b or c I, I forget and I loved it but it was I don't know that my roommate who had the lease his girlfriend and him whatever I had to move again um, I moved into this one place and this is where the the worst one of the worst things happened to me in New York um, I was so desperate it was uh, Thanksgiving weekend and I had to move and I um, maybe this was my second, maybe I, maybe I was moving. Yeah. I was moving out of that first place and I just had to move. You have a, a month turnaround. No one was answering my calls cause it, everyone was away for Thanksgiving. Yeah. One, where do you look to move by the way? Do you look in the papers? I looked on flyers, flyers, okay. maybe in the paper, maybe in the village voice, because that's where the places that you want to live. That's where those people post things. Mm-hmm. And one person answered me, and you should know that if one person answers you on Thanksgiving weekend, they will be the cokehead who steals all your shit. <laughs> so, and I, you know, I'm interviewing quote unquote with her and she's like, what do you do? Ask her what she does. She somehow evades, but I'm too young to like focus. Oh, and I'm so desperate. I'm like, this is the only place that will let me move on Monday when I have to move And it was just such a shit show, but I'm like, something's wrong with this woman, but I didn't know what cokeheads look like necessarily when they're not like partying at limelight. Like what, it makes sense to look like a sweaty bitch, you know? And, uh, the place smelled like cat, like unbearable cat, which means she's not taking care of that. And there was another roommate I didn't even meet. I was like, right on, I'll move all my shit. So I moved all my shit. And where is this apartment? Um, also on the, in the, in Alphabet City. And Jess um, Woods around the corner selling weed on rollerblades. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't the, the most popular area, but I loved it so much. It was close to everything. I was rollerblading everywhere. And weird shit started was everyone happening. everyone just rollerblading yeah. around? Yeah. This is so... And this is like kind of starting to happen again. I feel like it's a yes. sign of like how fucked up everything... The minute you see New Yorkers on rollerblades, like something is oh, happening. Yeah. yeah. Economically, yeah. there's a crisis. <laughs> We're reverting. 
Yeah. Yes. Drop the car, pick up the rollerblades. Everyone's rollerblading. I'm dating 16 musicians. Like <laughs> we're having a, it's a bad, it's a bad time. The nineties again. <laughs> yeah. So you're in this apartment against your best judgment. You move in and what goes on? Right away. So we had to share a phone line at the time, you know, and I, I didn't have to, I would move in and start my own phone line because I, you know, I talked on the phone a lot, but I didn't yet. So we were sharing a phone and one time I'm talking on the phone and weird shit happened before she would pick up the phone. It would be my friend. And she'd start talking to my friend about a band that I was in and she, she doesn't like the music and, 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 but just like, Nobody asked you anything. Yeah, you know? sure, So she'd sure. be on the drugs and start. Yeah, I live with a coke head. I, I pick it up when you're laying down. Yeah, it was uh-huh. very weird. Weird things that it's like, I can't say anything to you. Don't talk to my friend, you know, but. Yeah. So, yeah. Why are you talking to my friend about your nipple piercings at 2 a.m.? Yes, no exactly, exactly. Yeah. Why are you masturbating in the bathroom with the door open? <laughs> so one night. I'm in the, I'm in my room. I'm talking on the phone. The phone has a cord, if you guys can remember that. Mm -hmm. And I hear her coming in with her boyfriend. She's white. Her boyfriend's black. They're in a huge fight. Might be about cocaine. I'm not sure. He might've said something like, you're so coked up or whatever. I got the cocaine idea from somewhere. Mm. And she's kicking him out. And I'm still on the phone. I'm like, this is what's happening in my apartment. I still still didn't meet the other roommate. Okay. And then- How long um, did you live there? Not long. Like this, this might've been in the first month, you know, maybe. Okay. I mean, you should have met your other roommate. (laughs) Never. Not once, not in passing, nothing. Can we, can we confirm whether or not the other roommate existed and or was dead by this woman's hand? We will in a minute. So they're arguing the top of their lungs. It's pretty late. She kicks him out. And while he's going down the stairs, doors wide open in the hallway, fuck you n-word you fucking n-word like not saying n-word at all hard er oh hard everything hard Hard n oof 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 every letter was heard throughout the building and i'm like okay this has gone beyond like a level-headed you know like oh they're just fighting she is out of control she sounds out of control then she starts pulling that she starts knocking on my door and I'm like, mm-mm, mm-mm. she starts pulling on the cord of the phone. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, she's pulling on the cord. That's how know. a horror movie starts. Psych- yes. That's psychotic. That's terrifying. And, and I don't, I, I think I just, I didn't come out. I was just like, here's the phone. I don't remember, but I was, I was so scared and I didn't have a cell phone. So that was the phone. And now she's going nuts. She's like probably pacing and saying shit in the living room. And I hear her either leave or go to the bedroom for a minute. And I run out of my apartment. I knock on the roommate's door. I'm crying already. I don't remember all the details of it, but she was being very, very scary. And I need to leave. Somehow I had called a couple of my friends and I'm like, I need to leave here right now. She's saying weird, threatening things or like making me feel like she's pulling the cord. She's, she needs my attention. Saying the N-word. Yeah, she's getting angrier and angrier at me for no reason. And I, my, my, uh, my room didn't have a window or any outside access. My roommate did that I never met. So it's like two o'clock in the morning. I'm knocking on his door like, you have to open up and we're going to meet right now. And- Hi. <laughs> <Yeah>. Wow. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm and he- your neighbor. 
We have a little emergency. Our roommate is a demon on cocaine. Uh-huh. And so he opens the door like, what the fuck? And I'm like, and I start crying or he sees me crying at that point. He's like, come in. And he sees the newness in me. Yeah. He's like, okay. He's like, so you discovered our roommate, huh? And I'm like, <laughs> he's like, uh-huh. I'm trying to get out of here too. And, you know, I'm just gone all the time. And um, what we did was uh, so that nobody rang the doorbell. I dropped the keys from his bedroom to my friends when they came. I took my TV because that was precious, a couple of shoes and uh, some clothes. And I left. And Are I- you climbing down the fire escape with this shit? No, I left through the front door, but they came up. I didn't buzz them. They didn't, right. I didn't want so she doesn't know you're moving out. They're like yeah. your secret middle of the night moving squad. Yeah. So I'm, I move as much as I can with us three holding, you know, one trip down the stairs. It's like maybe three flights up. Do you remember I, who these people are? Like, do you that know? Came. Yeah. Like, are you, are they people you're still in touch with now? I'm not. No, but it was one of them was my uh, childhood best friend. Yeah. So it was very appropriate to call her whenever. Um, and I, I, slept on her couch floor or whatever for like a month. When I got a place, I went back to that apartment shaking because I had to get the rest of my stuff. Yeah. And I was greeted with this lovely quote unquote person. She's like, hi, how are you? Hey, we packed your stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that's comfortable. So they were in my room. They had already re-rented it and my stuff was packed. And I'm like, and I thanked her. Okay. Mm-hmm. I thanked her. And then I go to the new place and I start unpacking and none of my shit is there. I had all these platform shoes that, you know, you paid like good yeah. money for. I had these like cute little dresses and outfits and whatever. And I had nothing anymore. And that's when I was like, I am not rebuilding this wardrobe. So that's how you see this person in front of you now. And, <laughs> and you've been wearing the same hoodie yes. ever since. Yes. <laughs> I used to be like all like every time I went out, there was a cute thing on and I just couldn't anymore. Do you think it's from the trauma? I guess it was, uh, it was part of it. I was like, I can't do this. I can't, I can't rebuild this thing. I, I don't know what to do. I don't have the money to either. So I'm just yeah. gonna, so I call the cops and they come in and they don't ask me her name. Well, I don't know her last name. So I look stupid already. And, but I was like, I know where she is. She's obviously a cokehead and she just stole all my shit. And they're yeah. like, okay, we'll be right on it. And I'm like, you didn't write any of this down. And I didn't tell you what the address is. And they were like, yeah, uh-huh. And I'm like, you're not going to look for anything. And they're like, we're going. <laughs> so it's kind of like when you go to a restaurant and you start like telling the waitress your order and you're like, this is like pretty intricate. Do you? And she's like, no, I could remember it. And then she mm-hmm. just brings you French fries. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. It's okay. just like that. <laughs> and I gave up. And what's interesting is. She didn't, she didn't take my camera, my video camera that I had, which at the that's time- That's crazy. Yeah, but- well, That's also cokehead shit because she's so fucking coked right, out. Right, you don't like, know what you're She's stealing. not like thinking straight, yeah. But here's the kicker. I hadn't looked at that for another year, my camera, and then I'm like, oh, let me see this. I look at the footage on it. It's her and her boyfriend looking through my shit. <gasps> yeah, so you accidentally had a surveillance camera. Yep, yeah, they're like, oh, what, what about this? And I'm like, oh, you don't want that? Because they're like, no, not this. This is garbage. I'm like, you're garbage. Oh, my God. So are they, are they, they're set, they sold it then. Did they sell it? Did they throw it out? Like, do you? I, uh, I'm sure they were very entrepreneurial about it. And they sure. got everything. Like, they, you know, they probably wiped their noses with it. I don't know. They had like 
probably enough coke to, mo- coke to motivate them to do something, but I don't know if the next step happened. Sure. And I also let it go. I was like, at first I was like, I have evidence. We're going back for all of it. And I'm like, she's probably dead. It's- <laughs> I I, I like, but I still do have the keys. She probably I do. is dead. I told you the still have them that. today. You know, I might, I have a lot of old keys. <laughs> Let's go back and kick this chick. Why don't ass? we do a live podcast where we all have GoPros on our heads and we go back to your old apartment you go in, go into the roommate's room, you drop the keys down, and then me and Andrea come up. Oh, you know what I always feel bad about? As I'm leaving for good, the new roommate is obviously coming up and into the apartment. Uh. And I was like, do I whisper, get out? But the cokehead and her friends were in the living room on my way out. And I'm like, hey, mm-hmm. what about the deposit? And she goes, not right now, okay, Hemda. And I'm like, yeah, of course not right now. Okay, bye. Okay. Oh, see, I, I was this person too. I, I live with a cokehead at, at Hooker College. Um, <laughs> and she was, you know, um, she, she comes into the apartment. I lived in the dorms for about maybe a semester, maybe two. Hated it. It was in Manhattan near Union Square. Nice. The Parsons dorms are shitholes. You want to talk about cocaine? There's cocaine on the walls of every surface in that fucking building. Um, and I had like this cursed roommate situation where I lived in a, in a dorm room with four people, two people per bedroom, um, adjoining like kitchen bathroom. So the other room, so my personal roommate was this like goth nerd who like did computer coding all day and never left the room. We were great. We were totally Best. chill with one another. Best like roommate. Yeah. She mm-hmm. loved anime. Love I, it. she used to teach me how to cook noodles, friends forever. Um, the room next to it, there was this very quiet, uh, uh, again, Asian girl, very conservative. And then she just kept getting roommate after roommate of just like, fucking lunatics and we didn't know what to do about it the first roommate she had was this girl saray who was uh a a new yorker uh, and her parents were born again christians Mm. and she was going crazy so she started stripping and like doing coke all the time see this is what my parents were trying to get to avoid i you can't have me go crazy and become a hooker (laughs) yeah well i literally saw it happen (laughs) <laughs> She's a very smart girl. She came from a good family, a good, oh, quote, unquote, good, you know what I mean? Yeah, but like, sure. of course, um, and like she would bring her, her metal head boyfriend into the apartment. He would, we, they would cook in the middle of the night. They would smoke cigars. Cigars? She, cigars. Okay. Nasty. Well, that's where I draw the line. It's Meat like, you want to do heroin? That's fine. Meatloaf and cigars? No, thank Meatloaf you. Meatloaf and cigars. What are you, my uncle? Yes. And, and like, she would come home with like thousands of dollars in cash, all fucking coked out. And she'd be like, look how much fucking money I have. And she was my, one of my only friends. Um, <laughs> and that was my best friend. <laughs> I mean, she was the only person that would take me anywhere. And then when she finally left, she left to go to state college to be with the boyfriend who I'm sure was like cheating on her or whatever, beating her up, whatever, fill in the blanks, hooker shit. <laughs> so then oh my God. the new girl moves in Day one, she comes in. She's wearing a full fur coat, makeup, just like sme- like Courtney Love, where it's like, this isn't even on your eyes properly. It's like around the eyes. Um, tiny little girl, 
fur coat, no clothes, makeup everywhere, hair and like you a didn't bird's become nest. best friends. I was I, gonna you, say you lost me a tiny little girl because otherwise I'm like Andrea. You're talking about you. <laughs> I loved her initially. She she was she was fun. She was exciting. She was from LA. She was super rich, but nuts. And like her parents were just clearly trying to get rid of her. Like Parsons, where I went. There are a lot of very talented artists. There's also trust fund kids whose parents are just like, get this fucking nightmare out Mm -hmm. of the house. How can I throw money at this to make it go away? And she was one of those. And and she also, I believe she was bipolar. And so she started to become religious. Like she used to go to churches in the middle of the night. And then she would come back and be like, Jesus. Well, the best churches are in the middle of the night. Something (laughs) I think you guys don't know. Yeah. So (laughs) something that you guys might not know, uh, just like a little bit of background in New York city, like the best kind of church. Like if you really want to get involved with Jesus Christ, it's uh, about two to 3 AM. Yep. Yep. She was, she was worshiping. She told me she got gonorrhea of the throat. Like every day was a new adventure with this chick and I liked her, but I didn't understand. Like, I was like, I didn't understand. Like, this is a person on drugs. I don't get, right, I'm not, I'm right. not connecting this because I've never seen a person like this before. And one day she's missing and her door is locked. Her roommate had been gone um, for the weekend. Her door is locked. And I'm like, is she fucking, is she dead? Like, is she dead? You know, because uh, I can't get in. And she was very unstable. And then, the following, I told the RA in my dorm, like, I haven't seen her for days. I can't open the door. I don't know that she's not, like, hanging. You know what I mean? Like, this is how unstable this girl sure. was. And um, I come in uh, a few days later, and her parents are there. And her parents are super fucking bougie LA people. Um, you know, they're like, it's like the cokehead mom with the tits and the, and the dad who doesn't give a shit. And I'm like, hello. And they're like, yeah, she checked herself into a mental, mental institution. And okay, well, at least there. she's good. That's yeah. Good. That's and the I, best case scenario. Yeah. And I never heard from her again. Well, it was just, she sent me a voicemail well. apologizing. And that was, oh, it. that's wow. That your story ended so much different. Just to extra paint the picture. This cokehead's boyfriend was a bouncer. Okay, she's yelling yeah. at a bouncer. The N word at a bouncer. Yeah, oh, uh... whatever she wants. Yeah. And he was back. He was the one who was looking through my clothes with her. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that was exciting. Uh, Andrea, what do you have going on? What's going on with you? I got antibodies. I'll tell you that much, yeah, baby. Congrats. The bitch is back. Um, no, you can follow me at Andrea Comedy 69 on Instagram. Also, guys. We got these holographic stickers. They're so fucking cool. You guys got to get in on it. I'm looking at one of them right now on my sippy cups. I'm obsessed with it. Go to onlyinnewyorkpod.com. Take a look at the merch. Take a look at their their shout outs on the show. You can hang out with us. It's a fucking all encompassing motherfucker. It's better than any kind of Patreon. I'll tell you that. Oh, yeah. Please. So check it out. Support the show. We, we love talking to you in the private Facebook group too. get in our lives. We, we love it. Hemda, where can people find you, follow you, steal your stuff? <laughs> I have a podcast called Keith and the girl. And I recently developed uh, this system that will help maybe keep you a little more sane in a crazy world. And it's keithandthegirl.com slash OMAC club. And it had, it's self-explanatory once you get there. I think it's a few exercises that happen one minute at a time. So 
Why do people need to stay sane? Is something something wrong? Is there some weird? Uh, You know, maybe aliens are coming. I don't. We just Mm. have to be ready for all things. Yeah. So we're recording this and banking this. So by the time this comes out, we'll see what new disasters on the floor. Uh, Yeah. So be ready. Yeah. I feel fine. Uh, Since this has been recorded before the end of the world, I hope that you're listening to this. Whoever's left uh, in (laughs) in on Earth. Guys, uh, please listen to my other podcast, 90 Day Fiance Trash Talk, Teen Mom Trash Talk. Go to TracyCarnazzo.com for everything that I'm doing, all of the merch. And also uh, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Trixie2Zini. And make sure that you're listening to this podcast. But not only just listening, you got to be active. You have to give us a five-star rating, an amazing review, telling us what you love about the podcast. And don't forget, only in New York pod.com. Share the show. Do it. Oh, sauce.